Welcome back to the podcast, my friends. I'm really excited for this one. I think I say that every time, but I really am so excited for this one. I don't know how many of you are fans of health documentaries, but I am probably considered a fanatic. I consume health documentaries like I consume water. I love them. I find them fascinating and I use them to expand my understanding and knowledge of the current medical system and those who are working outside of that box and what they are accomplishing in doing that. One of those documentaries was Forks Over Knives. It was released in 2011 and I watched it around that time and rewatched it in preparation for this episode. And there are several examples of what transformations can happen with the primary point being a plant-based diet. Dr. Matthew Letterman and Dr. Alona Polday join me today, and they were the physicians highlighted on Forks Over Knives. And they have since expanded their concept of wellness And they published this expanded concept in their newest book, Wellness to Wonderful, Nine Pillars for Living Healthier, Longer, and with Greater Joy. It is a fantastic book from cover to cover, and it is now available on Amazon and wherever you buy books. So I highly, highly recommend it. So we talk about this book and uh, some of the insights that I wanted to use as jumping off points for discussion, but there's so much more than we could even begin to cover in this 45 minute or so episode. I'm just so excited that I am blessed to bring them to you today and share what they have learned and the tools in their toolbox that they share with their own patients. So without further ado, here are my new friends, Dr. Matthew Letterman and Dr. Alona Polday. All right. I could not be more excited, more excited. I am a health documentary fanatic. And when I had the opportunity to bring on two amazing doctors who were sort of the masterminds behind a documentary that I watched uh, several years ago, I, there was no, there was no saying no, it was just full forward. Yes. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Matt Letterman and Dr. Alona Polday with me today. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, so excited to dive in. You have made such amazing impacts already with the work that you had done with your multiple books and the documentary. And now we have a release actually today, right? May 1st today. Okay. (laughs) Glad that I can celebrate this with you and um, of your new book. So we will get into all of that. But before we move forward, I always ask my guests, what does true wellness mean to you? True wellness to me means what we, what we define it as living in a state of life is wonderful. And what that means is <clears throat> that you can wake up and walk around. And when someone says, Hey, how are you doing? How are things going? You say, yeah, I have my ups and downs, but overall life is really great. You know, life is wonderful. And there's lots of ways that we talk about how, we, how, how you can achieve and, and get to that state. But when you live in that state of life is wonderful disease, chronic disease is reversing, energy is high, joy and satisfaction are uh, optimized. Uh, it's, it's a really great place to be. So that's how we define optimum health. 
I think the only thing I would add to that is it's um, in being in that state of life is wonderful, allows you to authentically experience life moment to moment. And in that, um, you know, we use the nine pillars of health as areas to kind of focus on to get to state of life is wonderful. But being in that authentic connection with yourself allows you to even have the awareness of what to be looking out for to continue to make life wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love the focus that goes throughout the book and what you just said of optimization. And we'll talk about, you know, the focus in traditional medicine of baseline and returning to baseline. And we'll, we'll get into all those nuances um, in a little bit, but I would love just a little bit of a journey. Um, and for anybody who, who may have been under a rock and hasn't watched Forks Over Knives, uh, a little bit of a journey of your your path from traditional, obviously traditional medical education to what realization came that led to Forks Over Knives and then to where you're at now. Yes. So um, struggling with conventional medical practice where the focus was on what pills or procedures you can give to somebody. And that was your tool. That was your tool set to help. And and people weren't happy. People weren't feeling great. Um, There's a lot of dissonance between us and our patients because which made sense. They weren't healing. They weren't feeling better. And we didn't have any other options other, other than shuffling the pills right? Or trying a different procedure or recommending, hey, go see the psychiatrist if we were really all out of ideas, right? So it was a really limited tool set. Um, What we realized was there's other way, most chronic disease is not a pill deficiency or a procedure deficiency. Most chronic disease is from other factors. And when you, as we started adding to that, we started to evolve our practice. And the first and a, and a foundation of optimizing health is around what you put in your mouth three times or more a day. And that's where nutrition is so important. And then how do you move your body? And that's really what we think about wellness. We think about optimizing nutrition, optimizing your exercise, you know, these sort of benchmarks for um, get, you know, getting, the, getting the numbers that you want, right? And, and hitting those numbers. And what happened was, uh, we showed a lot of that on forks over knives, particularly focused around nutrition. And it's fantastic. It made huge changes and reversed lots of really um, terrible chronic diseases that many people are facing with and our top killers today, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, right? It helped it affect those. But then there were other issues that not only affected those disease processes and inflammatory pathways, but also things that weren't quite as responsive to diet whether it was um, certain mood um, and and mental health illnesses, um, chronic pain, right? Um, Things like um, chronic inflammatory diseases that improved, but sometimes didn't completely reverse because people were in states that that we talk about in the book that you have to attack from from different angles. You got to get the nutrition right but there's other things that we're missing. And that's what, and even in myself, I had a problem with chronic back pain and I was really frustrated because I was eating a clean diet. I was doing the exercise. I was doing the stretching. I was doing everything that all the wellness boxes, right? My, my uh, Fitbit looked perfect, right? But I was still having these problems. And that's when we started to expand and explore and, and really have an impact and be able to achieve because, because life was definitely not wonderful for me then. Right. So I'm going to let Alona jump in here, but that's how it's, you know, it continued to expand 
for me on a personal level. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think it's our blessing and our curse, I would say, is that Matt and I, one, have a huge passion for healing. Um, and two are curious and three don't settle mm -hmm. and we're, you know, constantly experimenting in our own lives and use the word optimization. And it's how do we optimize our lives? How do you know, and that's where living a life, living in that state of life is wonderful. That's the optimization. I want to walk around saying life is wonderful. Well, how do I get there? You know, and, and it started with nutrition and nutrition and activity and nutrition and activity and sleep and, you know, self-care. And then the, the other missing pieces kind of came organically in our own lives. What else are we missing that we're not yet at this state of life is wonderful. And so it's a, it's a regular evolution for us to just continue evolving and optimizing and um because right, it's important because the they don't teach this in medical school they didn't teach nutrition in medicine so if you don't look and explore you're not gonna find this new information out similarly this all the other stuff that we added in this book you're not going to be taught that in medical school we're working on that but right now it's not so you know um if you're struggling with things and you're doing the the clean diet right? Or you're struggling, you know what to eat, but you're struggling to eat it, right? Then there's other things that can help you. And that to me is where we bring back and add more tools and increase the perspective to allow people to become more successful. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And that's how I see the book. And by the way, for those who are frustrated that I haven't said the book's name yet, it's wellness to wonderful. And I will have all the links and, and, and all the goodness in the, in the show notes, but wellness to wonderful, which I think is, is so fantastic because it's, it's kind of like we took health to the world word wellness. And that felt a little bit more holistic and complete. And I love that you're like, that's not even good enough. We're going to go all the way to wonderful. And, mm -hmm. and how amazing if we could all say, I'm wonderful when asked the question, how are you? And how, I mean, I can't even remember if I've ever said that. So I, I love that that's even in your language and that you're helping us all with a toolkit of how we could also get there and um, expanding upon the forks over knives sort of journey of teaching us all how to eat. And then there's so many other things. So that's where this book comes in. And I thought it was um, just a, a really great synopsis of all of the ways we can get to life is wonderful. It's, so, um, it's really yes. interesting because the um, we were torn at first. I used to use that term wonderful and what would make, and, and some people would say, wait, that's like a pipe dream. What are you talking about? You know, I'm just trying to get by and you're telling me to think about wonderful. And I love you. I don't know if you want to say in a world of infinite. Yeah, I think that's that's our kind of motto. In a world of infinite possibilities, why can't my life be wonderful? It can be wonderful. That doesn't mean that it's happy all the time or you know that it doesn't come with ups and downs, but I'm navigating it in a way that maintains that state of life is wonderful. Yes, yes. And we even talk about how to navigate the ups and downs because even, you know, we're, we're very big fans of being uh, doctors that are trauma-informed and navigating trauma and healing trauma, it's so important, right? Um, what we found though was that, for example, being disconnected from yourself and your emotions, that was really, that was one of the um, uh, 
issues around trauma, right? As you sort of shut down and you got really disconnected from your feelings in a, to protect yourself. And what we found was that uh, um, people weren't, they were saying, okay, I'm ready to be open. I'm ready to connect. I'm ready to be authentic. But what do I do? And that is another piece that was really important to us as we work with clients, because we have uh, um, a telehealth primary care. It's almost like primary care 2.0, where we're the, the generalists and we're bringing in all these modalities. And then you say, okay, well, and then if you need a specialist, maybe there's someone that specifically works in trauma, we can help, we can help, and then we can get you to the specialist if you need that. But we also really focus on not only what the issues are in the theory, but then what do you do to execute? And to me, that's that's so important is, great, I'm ready to be open. Now what do I do though? Yeah, I think you did a really great job of that in the book by bringing in personal examples of what this looks like in your own lives, um, in your kids' lives and how you're implementing this. Because I think that's a lot of the problem with medicine and, and other fields in general too, is it gets very nebulous. And I, I, that sounded really great. I'm glad I read that book, but I have no idea what to do with that information now. And so I just go back to what I know. And, but you, right. you both made it really tangible in bringing in, bringing in your individual stories. And so I appreciated that part of it. Um, so your practice is called We Heal. Yes, WeHeal.Health and... is uh, where you can learn about more more in that area. But it's really focused on this healing model, and the book is the is the model. Perfect. And so it's telehealth, meaning anybody can take part in working with you. Right, right. We have uh, physicians, including uh, me and Alona, health mentors that specialize in. So there's nutrition and lifestyle mentors, uh, connection uh, mentors, and trauma recovery mentors. And in addition to the telehealth, there are classes and support groups, because um, we found that that's important, too, for the practical piece of it. It's not about, you know, you mentioned getting the education, but then what do you do with it? And then how do you navigate the challenges and the hurdles? And how do you come across like-minded people that can support your journey? So we offer a variety of those different opportunities for people to find the support along their path. Fantastic. So necessary. So necessary because that's part of the fragmentation of, of our current system is as I'm actually, you know, working as a private patient advocate, uh, you know, I'm identifying, okay, a support group would be really great in this situation, but that's often almost always outside of the system that we're working in. And so it's all of this fragmentation. So I love that you pull that in. So part of your We Heal program is the essence of We Heal, which is these nine pillars. So take us through, and you don't have to explain all the nine pillars. We'll, we'll dive into a few more, more deeply, but what are the nine pillars? So those are the, the nine pillars are kind of the foundation of our practice. And we've identified these nine areas that when you can put attention to them and ideally optimize um, but even place attention to them, um, life can get to that state of wonderful. And the pillars start with the self because that's the most important part. You know, Matt mentioned that authenticity, that self-connection that really drives all the other ones because you start identifying what am I missing? What am I needing? And what strategies am I using that are, there's a discernment that happens. Um, how do I actually make life better for myself. Um, and so, so it starts with the self and then it moves into what we call the internal world. And I won't get into them, but I'll just name them. 
Um, those are the things that you can kind of help yourself with sleep, nutrition, activity, play is one that we identified that I don't think people put enough emphasis on nowadays. You know, when we look at children, one of the things that brings them joy is play, regular play. And as adults, we've really kind of put that by the wayside, you know, to, to hop on the hamster wheel and, and make life happen. Um, and then the other side is the external world, which is how we connect to the world around us. And those are our friends and family, our work, our spirituality, and the natural world. And putting attention in all of those places um, really drives that state of life is wonderful. And it's about tending, like Alona said, it's really important. It's not about perfecting all of those areas. It's about becoming aware, checking in on them, and tending to them. And knowing when you're off the path so that you, and then knowing how to get back on, it's not that you're always on the path. And um, and that connection is the key, being re internal re resourcing your internal world enough so that you can connect to your external world is where the joy and satisfaction and inner peace is, inner peace is going to come from. So when you, you know, she mentioned work, what's bringing you meaning and purpose in your life? When she mentioned spirituality, there's something bigger than you and yourself. And she mentioned the natural world, all other life on this planet. When we connect to all of that, life becomes more wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, um, and I love that the goal is not to perfect any of it, but just to be aware and to check in because I think, I think, um, lists and numbers get thrown out a lot. Like here's the five ways to do this and the eight ways to do this. And everybody just feels overwhelmed. Like now I have to perfect five things and eight things and I can't even get to one thing. Um, but it's just being aware that all of these things are impacting your wellness and it's, it's well beyond nutrition. It doesn't negate the importance of nutrition, but it's well beyond that. Is is and there any- And it's not static either. That's the other key is that our, you see ours is on an infinity sign. So it's this flow. And it's about when there's a little bit of block in flow, oh, we just put some attention there to restore flow. But it's sort of like this fluid thing versus here's a static, what you got to do. And when you do that, everything's going to be great. And if you don't do that, everything's going to be terrible. It's this ability to connect in with yourself and connect in with the people around you and find your intrinsic motivation around your feelings and needs, which we can talk about later. But that's another that's another key piece of our program is how do you know what you want to do versus you get this list and say, you know, on podcasts, we'll be asked, what are the three things you got to do that to make them? And it's not about that. If you're thinking in that way, you're still externally motivated. Someone's going to tell you what you need to do. The key to creating a state of life, which is wonderful, is checking inside yourself and letting your internal values drive what you do so that what works for me to make life wonderful today is different than tomorrow. And what works for me today is different than what works for Alona today. So that that ability to cultivate those skills and discernment is essential. Does that make does that make sense? That makes a ton of sense. And it, and it brings me to the point of, I think a lot of times I'm, I'm imagining a listener wanting to know, well, which is the most important of the nine pillars, exactly. right? And it's not about that. It's, it's about the fluidity and any given person may have a more significant weakness on one of them that is, is creating a blockage in that flow. And that's not going to be the same for the other. And so you don't, you don't in the book say, Although they're numbered, just so we can keep track of the numbers, right. it's not about number one is the most important for everyone. Right. right? And, and like today, I'll give you an example. 
for me, I'll check in. And when we're preparing for the book launch, my, my, the pillar of play got way out of balance. Right. And I said, Oh boy, I'm, I can feel it. And I can tell I'm mobilized in my body. And, and then this weekend, I had this fantastic weekend planned with some friends from college and we got to connect. So it hit a lot of the pillars, but play where there was no like set, you have to do this and accomplish this to achieve this. And I feel totally restored today. Um, even though I'm a little bit under the weather, I feel fantastic. So I, I actually feel better. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, sick with a little bit of a cold, but life is wonderful today. You know, so to me, that was, I checked into play and I said, up, oh, that's out of balance for me. So at this point, play was most important. But tomorrow, it might be different. That, to me, is the key of that fluidity. I think that's the answer to that question. When we get the question of which one is most important, the answer is when. You know, in this moment, it might be, oh, I didn't really get a good night's sleep. I really want to prioritize and focus, put my attention toward a good night's sleep tonight. How do I make that happen? Tomorrow it might be, oh, my body hasn't moved for a really long time. I need to get in motion. You know, so that's that's the key is it's going to be different for every person. And even that is going to be dynamic. So it's more about the awareness. And again, that starts from that discernment, which is essential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, that all makes a lot of sense. It actually brings me to one of the concepts in the book that I really appreciated. I appreciated all of it. <laughs> but um, what one of the things that stood out to me was you mentioning experiencing it rather than trying to intellectualize it. And, and I think that this is the tendency of our society, definitely the tendency of the conventional medical system is intellectualizing everything. And part of intellectualizing is, well, tell me what's the priority? Like somebody tell me so I can list it and, and do all the things in, in a very um, analytical linear way. And that's not the point. The point is what is getting into this flow, which is what you just mentioned. So talk right. a little bit about the intellectual, the, the tendency to intellectualize. And, and one of the things, can we just say to what you said, but sometimes we're not saying that when you're first starting off, it's like, just tell me what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so under-resourced. But what will, that is when we'll say, let's work with you at WeHeal because we'll work with you to help you identify it. So we're not going to just stamp you with this thing that we say for everybody, but we will help you sort of hold your hand so that you can help, you can discern and build the skills to discern because a lot of people don't know what they're feeling and needing. They haven't learned that all their life. They've been good kids, you know, good kids with quotes, good students with quotes, good workers with quotes, because everybody outside of them is telling them what to do and they're doing it. So they don't have that skill. So I'm not saying that it's going to be easy on day one to just do this, but you can get help doing that. But the focus is what's going on inside of you, not what I tell you I think is good for you. I just wanted to make that point. I think that's Perfect. helpful. Yeah. I think as far as the intellectualization of it, um, for me, the the I'm a visual person. So the vision that I get is having your list, you know, and you're just going day to day crossing off the list, but you have no presence to what you're experiencing. You know, people will eat on, you know, on their drive to work and not even realize, well, what did I actually eat? What was the flavor of the food that I just had? Did I enjoy it? Did I not enjoy it? Who cares? It's done. It's checked off the list. I, I did my run this morning, check off the list and there's no presence to our experience. The day goes by. And at the end of the day, it's like, how was my day? It was meh, you know, I, I got my list done, but what does that actually mean? 
and we'll ask people, you know, well, what has to happen between now and tonight, right? Like if I asked you, what has to, one thing that you could do, one action you can take that when you go to bed tonight, you can look back at the afternoon and say, that was a wonderful afternoon, right? A lot of people don't know how to answer that question, right? And to me, that even just exploring it, even if you don't get an answer, is going to start causing some shifts inside of you. And those shifts is where the healing begins. Um, I used to exercise because I checked boxes, right? I was like, I have to run for an hour. This is how many hours a week I got to do it. And I have to lift weights. And it doesn't matter if I like it. You have to do resistance exercise. And I remember saying to a I was, I think I need to, because I'm waking up all stiff as I'm getting older and, and I feel fatigued when I get up. And I'm like, this is weird. Why does my body feel like that? And I would do, I did some stretching and a yoga stretching thing. And I said, afterwards, I came down and I felt so peaceful. And I looked alone. I said, boy, I feel great. And I said, but I didn't do my run today. And I was, I was having that challenge of like, what feels good in my body versus what I'm supposed to do. And it took me a while, but now I've made the shift to where I'm really focusing on what feels good in my body. I still do some running when I'm moved to do that, but I've added in this other stuff. And guess what? my body doesn't feel stiff like it did when I would wake up before. And I'm like, wow, so life is more wonderful for me. So I'm, we're still, you know, we're not the experts here. We're still working on our, it's a lifelong journey. It's not a destination. And I think it, 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 it's hard to understand, right? How that impacts, but, and, and we talk about it a lot in our book, but what happens when we force ourselves, when we get into that, well, I got to check off the list. I got to check off the list. We build this, um, we're sending messages to ourselves that life is dangerous. Life is, you know, we, we got to get this done or there will be a consequence. Something bad will happen. Um, and we talk a little bit about that. Maybe you yeah. want to get into the polyvagal theory just a little bit more. But um, when we're in that state of, oh, life is dangerous, things become really contracted and small, and there's a scarcity mentality and a fear-based mentality. And as we can self-connect differently, we release so much of that. We send ourselves messages, oh, okay, things are okay. And I am safe and things become expansive. And in that expanse, we have choice. And in that choice, there are so many possibilities how do I actually like to exercise? How do I want to do that today? What actually do I want to have for breakfast versus scarfing down the usual? You know, um, so being more um, intentional about our choice and then recognizing that we come from choice. You know, and that's a huge power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's people are who are focused on nutrition are a lot of times worried about inflammation, right? And they're trying to eat a... a anti-inflammatory diet, but they don't often, we talk to a lot of people, they don't realize that how you show up, if you're in that fight or flight mobilized state, it triggers the same pro-inflammatory cytokines and adrenaline and cortisol and and blood flow shifts in the body that are all this this pro-inflammatory. If you live in those states chronically, they're disease promoting. So, you know, you're doing the anti-inflammatory diet, but you're forcing yourself to do all these things, which is signaling to your body when you have to force your body to do something it's not naturally wanting to do. Um, there's a there's a sort of a danger almost or a mobilization that happens of the nervous system. 
And there's that's that can trigger inflammation as well. And it, that's different than offering up to your body an opportunity to try something new. And that's an invitation versus forcing your body. And, and your body's like, I don't want to do this. And you're saying, be quiet. We got to. I know it's good for me. You know, read this article, you know, and that's that's what we don't want to do. And your Matt's example with activity is um, a really good one in that sense, because it doesn't mean don't do the things that are health promoting, right? But it means that there are a lot of different ways to do that. So if we all have a need for movement, we all have these universal needs. We have a need for sleep. We have a need for movement. We have a need for nutritious foods. Um, we have a need for play. All of those are needs. How we go about doing them, the strategies and behaviors that we use can be very individual and the possibilities are abundant. So, you know, Matt would be checking off running and lifting, hating each one of those activities, dreading whatever time it took. But there's dance and there's gymnastics and there's walking and there's swimming and there's yoga and Pilates. And there's so there's going out to the park and playing soccer or basketball with friends. You know, there's so many different ways to meet this need for movement. Yes. I think this is, um, it makes me think a lot about just unlearning. I think, um, what has been modeled for us kind of has to be unlearned first rather than placing another layer upon layer. Um, so just kind of realizing what hasn't been working and what has kind of be, been a narrative and conditioning that isn't working. And so let's unlearn, like be willing to let that go and then relearn a different way. Uh, I think people get overwhelmed because I it's it's always adding adding more learning rather than realizing what we have learned isn't working. So that's kind of what I'm hearing and what you're saying. And um, yes, super impactful. In fact, what you mentioned, so you kind of alluded to the restore method that you mentioned in your self chapter, some pieces of that. And I actually did want to hit on that because I think there's a lot of value to this and a lot of different scenarios. So restore being an acronym for repeat the following, I am safe there's time, everything is okay, there is room and freedom, and I can feel expansiveness. And when I for, you know, I I think whenever we read something, we relate it to, you know, our worlds. And so in my world and the work that I do, I was immediately thinking, this is perfect for when somebody receives some, you know, terrifying diagnosis, and they're shuttled through the medical system in like, here's the next thing surgery tomorrow, you know, and, um, they're acting out of the, the fear that they have and the, you know, the hope that they have and, and the trust in the system. And, and they aren't taking a second to just say, okay, but right now, right now I'm okay. I'm safe. There's time for me to take a second to decide if I want to have um, the surgery or if I want to delay it, or if I want a different surgeon or um, so that's what came up for me when I read that I'm wondering what, um, what other types of scenarios or um, backgrounds to that sort of acronym you had in mind when you, when you wrote it. Before yeah, so you do the restore, can I just go back at one of the things um, that you mentioned? And I, I just want to touch upon it because I think it's really important is that whole notion of relearning. And we look at, sometimes we look at information like this and think, oh, this is, this is such a heavy load. I have to retrain my brain or relearn. But the reality is it is, it is um, our natural state I think, and what we have done is we repress and we suppress and we push down that natural state. 
to create this kind of unnatural, we are not meant to be living in this survival, scarcity, fear-based mentality at all. And so there's a freedom and liberation in connecting to the self and finding that discernment because it lives, it's just like very deep in Pandora's box and we're sitting on that, you know, and not allowing it to peep open. Um, so I just want to share that as an invitation for um, it actually, rather than feeling like a heavy load for a lot of people who go through the pillars and start kind of having that mindful attention and that presence and that connection to choice in their lives, it's really liberating. Right. You, you all of a sudden feel this inner peace that you've never felt before. Mm-hmm. You all of a sudden have this more space and expansiveness you're able to approach life with a curiosity instead of a reactivity and you don't have to be able to meet your needs in the moment and there's a big part of what we do based on nonviolent communication and part of that you know when we talk about needs these universal needs right so when you're feeling unpleasant feelings sad hurt scared angry um, disappointed It just means that you have needs that aren't being met, values that aren't being fulfilled in the moment. We don't have to meet them to actually feel relief and to uh, decrease suffering. In fact, when we increase suffering, when we think we have to handle our pain alone, or when we suppress our pain, but when we just connect to our feelings and needs, we will start to feel more inner peace. And then we'll be more resourced and have more room and more space and more time to say, oh, well, what action would I like to take? What request do I want to make of myself or maybe someone else that will help me increase the chances of meeting that need that thanks to this unpleasant feeling I have my attention on and I can maybe tend to a little bit better. So when you feel, when you bring the restore, it's not even about um, always trying to be positive or reframe right? It's about creating. So I would say, for example, when someone's feeling an unpleasant emotion, right? Let's say sadness. We talked about the feelings catcher in the book, right? How do we connect to the feeling? How do we then say, oh, wow, I'm feeling really sad right now. Hmm. I wonder what need is coming up for me. Feeling sad because I really want to connect with this friend. And despite multiple attempts, they haven't responded. And I'm just, I'm not sure what's going on. I have this need for friendship and maybe to trust that I matter to this, you know, to these people. So those are the needs that are coming up, mattering and friendship, connection. Ah, okay. So all of a sudden there's this self-connection and awareness that causes a, a relief immediately. And I can feel peaceful, even though I haven't met that need yet. And then I'll have room to say, well, what can I do to increase the chances that I can restore connection? Do I want to send a text? Do I want to call? Do I want to just get some empathy from another friend? All, all of a sudden, there's all these opportunities to, to uh, tend to my needs. So that, to me, is how we, what we talk about with self-connection. And then restore is one of those things that I'll do just to help take a breath. It's almost like a, an anchor, right, where you just sort of say, oh, I'm going to just take a breath here. and I'm, I'm safe right now. There's time right now. Everything's okay right now. Now, barring a natural disaster, right? You know, something where it really is an emergency. Everything's okay right now. And there's room. 
and I have freedom and there's expansiveness. Ah, I can feel it. And not just think about the expansiveness, but to feel your body, just take a deeper breath and open up. Ah. Sometimes I'll put my hand on my leg and there's a little bit of touch, right? Just to self-soothe. And in those, what, 20 seconds? Now I've completely changed my physiology and I can approach my needs with choice and empowerment and agency. So that to me is the value. And then sometimes I just do it to build that, the muscle, because Alona pointed out that it's habit. Our natural state is to be calm unless there's a lion in front of us. And then you, you get reactive and reactivity is great when there's a lion in front of you. And then we calm back down. So a lot of people, the restore is a way to start practicing, hey, I can calm my nervous system. So I'll, I'll tell people every hour, set your alarm and just do the restore. And it's not about just saying it. It's about taking a minute to get the images in your, in your mind's eye and get the feelings in your body, get the tone in your voice, the pace in your breath. And you just do it. It takes 30 seconds. And then when I am flipping out about something that's not a lion, but it's still triggering me, right? I get that text message and I'm like totally reactive. I can't believe they said that. That's not a lion. So I don't, oh, okay, I come home, I'm safe. So I can do it again. So you see how, because I practiced, it, it, it's a new neural pathway that I've strengthened around self-connection and regulation. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. I think it's super I, valuable. Yeah. I think that point about um, that new neural pathway um, is a really important point too. We have created, I, I often, um, imagine like walking in a forest and you're walking down your favorite path. And this path is, you know, thousands of years old and it's paved. And so many people have walked through. It's so easy to get from point A to point B, right? So imagine that's your default programming. That's how easy it is to just go that way. But now you want to try and explore something new. You want to have a new experience. You want to go from point A to point D, not to point B. But now here there's the bushes and the trees and you got to kind of forage through and create the new path. That will take a little bit of work up front, specifically around that mindfulness and choice to, I'm going to take this new path today and I'm going to kind of make my way through. And every time you make your way through, you're paving it, you're creating more of a path. And that new path eventually will be just as solid as that old path. That's And it's really important. Another piece of the path is a lot of people, what they do is they beat themselves up for taking the old path. Mm -hmm. So they use self-critical thoughts, which are going to increase fuel depression, anxiety, and all the, the things that we're not looking for. And the way we think we can get to path D is by pointing out all the things we don't like about this first path A. So I'll say... Well, I don't want to eat junk food, right? Because path A is junk food and sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day. Well, I don't want to eat junk food and I don't want to sit on the couch all day. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. All it tells me is what I don't like about this path. Instead, I got to say, what does path D look like? What do I want? Oh, I want to, I want to get up and move around and take a walk with my wife on Sunday mornings. Right? I want to try and make uh, oatmeal for breakfast tomorrow and add fresh berries. And if I don't like it, I'm going to try something else. Right. So you see how now you can't get to path D by trying not to go on path A. You got to focus on saying, where do I want to go? Right. So I think that's also really important 
is is to understand how this all works. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I had notes on that too. Um, so it's just all it's all working out exactly how I had in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, I had written down, um, you know, start heading towards what you want, not avoiding what you don't want. Right. And instead of asking what is wrong with you, ask what does right look like. And I think um, I think your visual there, an analogy is perfect because it's tangible. Every one, of, every one of us can, you know, we've all walked some path at some point. And so we've or at least seen it. And so we understand what you're saying and how that relates to everyday life. Um, I'm curious as to how you feel that relates to where the traditional medical system might be getting it wrong. So, um, you know, uh, you know, not optimizing. So just a return, like we kind of started with, um, the tendency is to get back to baseline, which is basically what, you know, your doctor knows of you when you start, when you're established with them, unless you're establishing at a critical point, but um, getting back to, to baseline, which is not usually optimal. Most, most of us don't even know what optimal is. So we don't even know what that is. And that's definitely not baseline. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Yeah. So that was one of the things that moved us out of conventional medicine was that medicine became about management, not about healing or optimization. So you treated diabetes with a pill, you managed blood sugars, but you didn't manage the patient or, or heal the patient. You managed blood pressures, but you didn't optimize the patient. And we never even um, really got into what is the rest of the picture? So there's that siloed, fractured, like you mentioned, reductionist kind of approach to medicine where you're coming in for diabetes. I'm only going to treat your blood sugars. I'm not going to talk about, well, what's life like for you? You know, what, what, what is your social situation look like? What is, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What brings you meaning and purpose? What, um, what is it that you want? Right. So, um, and so it became kind of a, a game of mediocrity. Like you got people back to baseline or you got them within normal limits, but within normal limits was mediocre. It was still managing disease. It was still to some level illness or somewhere between illness and wellness with pills and procedures. But that to us is not wellness and it's certainly not wonderful. Yes. Our um, aspiration is kind of to go, you know, we don't want you to be within normal limits. We don't want you to be at baseline. We want you to thrive and thriving is significantly above that. Right. So we get, a, we get a lot of people that um, are where the conventional healthcare system isn't working for them. So there's a lot of wonderful things about the conventional healthcare system, right? Particularly around acute illness and acute issues. But with chronic disease, and if your goal is not only to, to reverse a disease, but to really hit that state of life is wonderful, that's going to be hard in the conventional system with the tools they have, right? We had to bring in a lot of different modalities to give people the tools and the skill sets to be able to undo all of the habits we talked about earlier that have been created over time. Right. So that is it's not that um, we don't support the we use Western medicine, but we bring in all these other tools to give people a, a much different experience. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, and I fully believe that also, I mean, well, my husband's a physician and so, and I was, we were together all throughout medical school. So I was witness to what was taught and what wasn't taught. And, um, even, even for me in pharmacy school. So there's, um, yeah, I absolutely believe that it's not a lack of them want. I think the medical profession in general wants to right. have, have people say life is wonderful also, um, but they don't have the robust toolbox and, um, and they're just too tired. <laughs> they're so tired to, to even have the time and energy to find out what it is that they weren't taught. Um, and it, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot to even ask of them, but then we do need to get to a better state. So what is your hope? Well, that's a great, that's actually a great point though, with, um, they're tired, right. And they're, they're hurting and they're struggling in their lives. They're in a system that in my opinion, not all, but the, uh, the conventional healthcare system in general, right. There's always going to be out, but what I know, most of them want you to see a patient quickly move through, fill out a lot of paperwork get the pills and prescriptions or the referrals or the, manage the numbers. right manage the numbers and check off the boxes that you did everything and the connection with the patient is what's sort of like hey we're not really worried about that right and to me it's backwards right and so then you have physicians that are really unhappy as a whole they went in to connect and to help and to contribute and they're not able to do that but they don't know how to change the system and then we're asking them to help us make life wonderful when they probably need help making their lives wonderful. Right. So we can't go to a conventional system with the limited tools that they have in the environment and structure they work within and expect them to help get us to life as wonderful. But we'd love to, to help change the healthcare system. And I do think it's possible. Yeah, that was my next question. So what is your hope? What are a few of your hopes? Hope for, you know, your own We Heal um, program and um, telehealth offering um this book but then also on a larger scale the what the medical system hopefully can become well it depends how how big can we think here can we think, <laughs> sky's can the we, limit sky's the limit we want <laughs> we, we would love to have we heal communities we'd love to have we heal schools we'd love to have we we heal hospitals right so that it's it's possible right we just have to realign incentives change the tools do some training um, but it can be, it can be really where the focus is on connection and care for the individuals and the community and interdependence where I can't meet my needs at the expense of you and your needs. We can create an environment where we care about everybody's needs equally, right? That's all possible. We just have to, we, we just need to come together in a certain way and, and get started trying. Mm -hmm. I love that. I am so excited that you have come on and also shared this book with us because um, you are a wealth of information insights that can benefit all of us. And I highly recommend this book. It's Wellness to Wonderful, which is the latest book. You have many other books, so let's not, not um, negate the importance of those. You could list all, you have five before this one, right? Yes. Okay. What are all of those? We start off with keep it simple, keep it whole, uh, your guide to optimum health, We then, which is primarily focused on nutrition. Uh, then we went to Forks Over Knives Plan and the Forks Over Knives Family, then the Whole Foods Diet and Whole Foods Cookbook. And Fantastic. now we have Wellness to Wonderful. I love it. And what's next? 
<laughs> you're I, you're I, such there's such established successful authors. I feel like is this is this the type of thing where you're like already on to the next as the first one as the, the next, this one gets launched? I don't know, but we'll look forward to it if it comes out. <laughs> um, thank you so much for pouring out your heart to everyone who you know may not necessarily get a chance to actually be in your practice. Hopefully this inspires more people to join since it is telehealth and now more accessible. But even for those who maybe don't feel that they can right now, or for whatever reason, um, have the this book to at least reference and start to, to shift things in their own life. And like I said, it is full of so many tangible examples. And I think that's what makes it so valuable on so many levels is I can read the chapter and understand what you're saying. And then you give me okay, and this is what, this is what it looks like in our family. You know, this is, this is what it looks like when I had back pain and this is how I incorporated this. And so the stories help just as, as you've shared analogies here. So thank you so much for joining me and for writing this book. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you. you so much. It's such a gift too. It's so rewarding to work with people that are in you know, pain for weeks. And then we talk to them and we apply some of our principles and it's, Oh my God, my pain is better. You know, it's just, that's why we got into the healthcare system and became doctors was to try and help people. And we're just so blessed to be able to have these opportunities and, and just this information that's, that we've been able to acquire over the years. So thank you. Thank you for helping getting that out there. Yes. Happy to. What an amazing blessing to have these amazing souls and thought leaders on the podcast. Again, that book is Wellness to Wonderful, Nine Pillars for Living Healthier, Longer, and with Greater Joy. Like I said, it's available wherever you buy books. It already has 45 five-star reviews, to not even two days in. One of the reviews on Amazon says... Just what I needed, well-written and organized in a way that is easy to understand. I liked that the information drew me in and I felt encouraged to embrace the information. I feel hopeful and encouraged and confident that these lifestyle and health changes were within reach. Thank you, Alona and Matt. So I, I'm just so thrilled. I'm so thrilled that we are all able to live in a time when we can benefit from thought leaders like Dr. Polday and Dr. Letterman. Thank you again for listening. Share with whomever you think may benefit and consider buying the book as a gift for those who you think might benefit as well. Until next time, my friends.